You know, I love when I bring favorite guests back because the only time I bring them back is when they're filled with knowledge and we want to hear from them again. So joining me today is Catherine Buck, nurse practitioner, owner of True Rejuvenation, changing lives everywhere, saving lives everywhere. So Catherine, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for coming back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've helped me so much with hormones. You've helped my friends, kids even with hormones. That's crazy. But today we want to talk about menopause and all these women that are so scared of menopause and your message is don't be scared of menopause. So I want to dig into that and really kind of unpack that because I know so many women, not only are they scared of menopause, but they're scared of hormones and they're scared that the hormones are going to cause cancer. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. I mean, hey, even the gynecologists that are doing surgically induced menopause are scared of the hormones. So (laughs) you can't really blame people. And if, if you do any reading at all about menopause, all you read is horror stories, hot flashes, weight gain insomnia. I mean, you name it, the list goes on and on and on, but it doesn't have to be that way. So let's start with how does a woman know that she's in menopause? Because I've had some people say, well, I think I am, I'm not sure. So how do you know that you've made that transition? So the definition of menopause is you have gone an entire year with no period. If you get a period again, or even some spotting, you have to sort of reset the clock at that point. Some women will have like ablations or other procedures where it sort of affects their bleeding. So then how do they know, right? So we check hormone levels, essentially, estrogen, estradiol, testosterone, progesterone, estrone, we look at LH and FSH. Typically once the estradiol has dropped below the norm, so like less than 15, you can pretty safely assume they've made the transition. Yeah. And that's kind of what we use. Yeah, okay. So when we're looking at the FSH, do you have a cutoff there? Like, do you say, okay, once someone gets to 20 or 25 that you start to see the estrogen drop then too? You know what? Honestly, I don't even test it very often because it's kind of irrelevant as far as what I'm doing, right? So do I really care if they've completely gone through menopause? No, I care what their hormone levels are now that are affecting the way they feel right now. So one of those, I'm going to meet them where they're at. I'm not going to say, oh, your FSH and LH have to get to this level and this level before we're going to treat you for menopause. 
because truly most women need treatment in the perimenopausal period. You don't wait until hormones nosedive to be like, okay, you've been going through hell for the last three or four years. Right. Uh, now we can do something. <laughs> right. It is crazy. So if we can catch them in the perimenopausal state, yes, menopause becomes so much easier. But let's say someone is already menopausal and they're thinking, well, there's no hope for me. My hormones are already gone. No, you can start hormones at any age. There's a little bit of talk of, you know, are you going to soften the arteries and potentially dislodge some cholesterol plaque? I guess the risk is there. The risk is there that it's going to dislodge without the hormones too, though. So, right. you know, you kind of have to weigh the pros and the cons. Definitely. So I explained to everybody that menopause is sort of the line of demarcation, right? Nobody develops chronic illness until after menopause or andropause. Nobody, unless it's some weird type of inherited genetic issue it's not happening until after menopause. So after menopause, we start with dementia, bone loss, cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes, obesity, obesity. That's the biggest epidemic in this entire nation. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have all those things. You know, nature didn't really design us to live to be a hundred, but we're defying the odds. And so why not improve your quality of life? and not go through all of that right. when we have the science to do it. To do so it. you can start hormone replacement therapy at any age. We do not draw a line anywhere. You could be 85 years old and come to me and start hormone replacement therapy. And I actually have patients that are that age that have done it and that have gotten their lives back. Yeah. So yeah. Well, studies have even shown that if you do hormone replacement for just five years, post-menopause, and it can be at any span of time in that menopausal time, that increases your protection against breast cancer. So that five years of hormone replacement, I mean, hopefully you do it longer than that, but let's say you are only 80 years old or you are 80 years old and you only have five to 10 years of hormone replacement. Still, that's going to be, give you your quality of life back and be very protective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of women that come to me and tell me that they were told by their gynecologist getting back to the five-year thing that they could be on hormone replacement therapy for up to five years, but after five years, they don't get it anymore. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know what, which flips at the five-year mark that they suddenly can't have it anymore, or if that's just sort of the limitation of any studies that have been done and published that their gynecologist is aware of. I don't know where that comes from. You can be on hormone replacement therapy until the day you die. And you can bet I will be the 98-year-old in the nursing home smuggling in my hormones and injecting myself. Absolutely. Quality of life without them? Not well, sure. And here's the thing. You're probably not going to be in the nursing home because you're taking hormones. Sure. You're taking them early. That's going to protect your brain and protect you against the diseases of aging. Yeah. So I, I won't have a hip fracture that lands me in long-term assisted living. Yes. Exactly. Good exactly. point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. I'll just avoid it altogether. So let's break down the benefits of each hormone. And we're really going to hone in on estrogen because that is kind of the focus of menopause, although progesterone and testosterone are just as important, just as important. Just as important. But yeah, let's go through the benefits of each. So let's start with my favorite, the GSD hormone testosterone and the benefits that you see when you replace that in women. So testosterone is your stamina. That's how I explain it to people. 
you can have energy without having stamina, right? And I think that when we think about the thyroid, we think a lot about energy, getting your energy back, not being fatigued all the time. So that's great. That's great. But if you can't complete a task list, not really doing you any favors, testosterone is your stamina to get things done. It is what allows you to tackle those to-do lists and absolutely come out on the other end with energy to spare. Aside from that, it maintains your bone integrity and your muscle integrity. I think estrogen sort of gets a lot of the hype for bone health, but really it's all about the testosterone. You need to maintain testosterone to maintain muscle, which maintains bone. Mm -hmm. So bone and muscle strength, all testosterone. And then last but not least, it provides lubrication. It provides a sex drive. You know, getting back to that, getting things done, you actually kind of have it in you to yeah. want sex again. And a lot of people are really floored by that. So I love testosterone for all of those reasons. And metabolism, it's going to yeah. improve your metabolism. Yeah, It improves your metabolic rate. You know, I can't tell you how many patients I see come in with low testosterone we replace their testosterone. Guess what happens? Their cholesterol comes down. They start pooping regularly again. Girls, mm -hmm. there's a reason why guys go to the bathroom after each meal. Right. They have testosterone. Uh huh. When you have testosterone, you too will do that. And then let's not forget about the anti-inflammatory effects of testosterone. So you have joint pain, you know, you have headaches really any type of inflammatory pain is helped, extremely helped by testosterone. And it doesn't have to be a ton of it. Right. We want people above 50. Let's be honest. Right. The national normal testosterone levels are pathetic. Oh my God. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. So we say 50 to hundred ish, right? If you go above hundred, guess what? If you're not having any symptoms, we're going to keep you right there. If you feel good. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you about the values because I know, I mean, you know that mine's high, 370, 360, 370. I know you've had a really high number and you felt fine, no androgenic symptoms whatsoever. I had 850, so, no androgenic symptoms whatsoever. Yeah, and you know most doctors Everyone's would freak out over that. Oh, like, I, what are you doing? There's a problem here. Yeah. Yeah, I was terrified that when I went to follow up with my primary care, he would have somehow, you know, the lab may have, possibly sent him those results. At this point, I think that our relationship is good enough that I would have just laughed it off with them, but most people would lose their mind. But you know what? I just thought of another benefit of it. Yeah. So how many people in this world are, are anemic? Oh yeah. How many patients yeah. do you get that are anemic, right? Tons. Yep. Tons. And you can load all the iron and all the B12 on them. And sometimes, you know what? That number doesn't budge. Guess what's going to fix it? Testosterone. In fact, I used to work in uh, nursing homes and when I would have patients that didn't tolerate iron and or B12 or just couldn't take any more, I'd give them testosterone and their anemia went away immediately. That's so crazy. Yeah, because it stimulates your bone marrow to make new red blood cells. So they're not only getting rid of the anemia, they have fresh new cells. They feel so much more alive. That's awesome. That is a, that's an excellent benefit that we don't really talk much about. And also the, the lubrication piece, because everyone yeah. thinks estrogen, put estrogen in your vagina and get more lubrication, but really it's the testosterone that pulls the, the circulation to the area. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're going to have much better orgasms with testosterone mm -hmm. and 
you're going to have such a heightened, you know, sense of stimulus that your lubrication is going to improve probably better than it ever was, even at like 18, 19, 20. I tell women all the time, I'm going to make your sex life better than it's ever been in your entire life. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And then they come back and they're like, you really did. Yes. Yeah. It's possible. You know, when we take the strings away from nature and we start, you know, titrating levels to where patients feel good, we have the ability to do that. Yep. And people love it. And it's all bioidentical too. None of this is synthetic. Yeah. I would never use a synthetic hormone. Never, not in a million years. Yeah. I, I usually clear that up on visit number one. Because everyone has questions. Is it going to cause cancer? It's not going to cause cancer. It's going to prevent cancer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And that all comes back to that Women's Health Initiative study that yeah. screwed everybody up now for Why is anybody even listening to that? Talking? You know why? Because people go to medical school. They learn what they learn in medical school. Whatever year they graduated from medical school is where their knowledge base stops. That is what I see day in and day out. And frankly... It annoys the shit out of me because all that it equals is laziness. It's laziness. They're not learning a single extra thing because it doesn't benefit them and they don't want to take the time to do it. And then, you know, we run into issues with like the big medicine, like the, you know, the high marks of the world, the UPMCs of the world, your big health system is in your area. Because guess what, guys? They prevent new drug reps and new testing reps from the labs any type of like new information representative from coming into their facility and teaching. And so it's really hard for these people to really stay up to date on the latest and the greatest. I guess it gives them more referrals to their specialists. I'm not really sure what the driving force is. I'm sure it's money at at some point, but chances are your doctor hasn't learned a whole lot beyond the year they graduated from medical school, which is sad. Well, yeah. And expanding on that into testosterone still, I mean, you know how hard it is to be able to prescribe testosterone. You have to see the person in yeah. person. I mean, it just gets ridiculous. DEA is involved. You have to have a special license. Yeah. And my theory on that is because all of the benefits that you just stated with testosterone, how many drugs would people go off oh if you got their testosterone levels up, male and female? Both. Yeah, they're statins, they're antihypertensives. There, I mean, I, I could go on forever. Uh, They're anti diabetic, all the things, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I I always tell patients like I'm adding some meds to your list right now, but we're going to take a whole lot more off than what I'm adding once you're optimized. Yeah. You know, once your metabolism is working again and you have these sex hormones that control everything in your entire body, we're going to be able to ditch a lot of this stuff. And I'm going to be honest. There's very few primary care doctors that will jump on board, and there's lots of them. I actually just got correspondence from one of them yesterday to warn me that my patient had an elevated hemoglobin and hematocrit, and he is certain that it's because of the testosterone that I put him on. Yeah. And that's why we tell them to go donate blood every exactly. three months. This patient just isn't listening. So guess what? I'm not going to write his refill right. until he goes and donates blood. Right. That's the kind of loopholes that you have to sort of jump through with testosterone. Anybody can write testosterone. So this is sort of my my warning piece here. Yes. Anybody that has a DEA license can write testosterone. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at writing testosterone. And what I mean by that is, how are they dosing it? Are they giving you testosterone every two weeks? Because uh-huh. if they are, they're peaking you for three days and then dropping you on your ass and your testicles are making no testosterone yep. for the 
other 11 days in that cycle, right? Right. Are they monitoring labs? Generally, no. If they do, they're monitoring a testosterone and that's it. Well, guess what, guys? You got to monitor the blood counts. You have to monitor liver function. Mm -hmm. You want to definitely keep an eye on estrogen levels, prolactin levels, DHT levels. I've never seen someone come in that has had all those things monitored while on testosterone. Right. And those are the things that you can catch early and negate any side effect of testosterone. Yep. So if someone's telling you you're going to get hair loss or, you know, your blood's going to get thick or whatever, those are all, you can remedy all of those easily if you're monitoring the right levels. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then again, you know, we have endocrinologists dosing it once every three weeks. So yeah. I got nothing. I know. <laughs> Don't go to your endocrinologist for testosterone. You will not have a good end result. No, not at all. If you get it at all, right? If you get it at all. Or your PCP for that matter, unless they have a special interest in testosterone and hormone replacement therapy. I mean, it is its own specialty. And I truly do not fault anyone for refusing to test it or refuse, well, maybe for refusing to test it, but for refusing to treat it, we'll say, yeah. because if they're actually doing you a favor by refusing to treat you if they don't know the ins and outs of testosterone. And unless they've had a reason to learn about it, they don't. They, don't. they didn't teach it in medical school. Right. Right. So just go to somebody that knows what they're doing. Somebody that knows. I could talk about testosterone all day, but progesterone's next up. So give us the lowdown. Of, I've it. heard you say, and I have repeated this because I love it, that if more doctors prescribe progesterone over antidepressants, the world would be a better place. Listen, 99% of women do not need an anti-anxiety medication or an antidepressive medication. What they need is progesterone because at age 30 and sometimes sooner, depending on how stressful your life is, progesterone levels start to taper off. Now, progesterone's role scientifically is to maintain a pregnancy, right? And we're not supposed to be carrying pregnancies into our 50s. I realize that we do it because of science, but that's not what our bodies were created to do. So if you think back to caveman days, I say that all the time, you didn't need progesterone after about age 30 and it starts to drop off. Unfortunately, progesterone has a lot of other benefits aside from maintaining a pregnancy. So, you know, it's kind of like your best friend. That's the way I like to explain it. Progesterone is like your best friend that you get to unload on. Um, It alleviates anxiety. It alleviates depression. However, I will say, oftentimes that anxiety and depression are also because that patient is incredibly estrogen dominant and recycling their total estrogens. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Progesterone reigns that in. I call progesterone the babysitter of estrogen. Okay, You cannot have estrogen without having progesterone and do it safely without any repercussion. You need both. If the providers of this world would just recognize how beneficial bioidentical progesterone is, even sleep aids, right? We could eliminate the need for sleep aids because progesterone is what helps you fall asleep and what helps you stay asleep. Oh, yeah. We throw antidepressants at people instead. And sleeping pills and all that. No, I hear from women all the time. I've never slept this good. Like in my yeah. life, never slept this good until I added in progesterone. Yeah, it also will alleviate migraine headaches. So all of your listeners that are seeing a neurologist for their migraine headaches, and you're a female sort of roundabout between the ages of 25 and let's 
say 55, I'm here to tell you your issue is your progesterone is too low. And the cool thing about progesterone is it's bioidentical, commercially available, yeah. and generally covered by insurance. And if your insurance doesn't cover it, you can use GoodRx and get it for pretty cheap. Yep. So there's no excuse. There's no reason we're putting people on antidepressants that they can never come off of without having brain zaps and 8,000 other side effects when we could just use progesterone, which is really the root cause of their issues to begin with. Well, and what cracks me up is doctors will hand out birth control pills to a 14-year-old hmm? if she's having heavy periods. And all that is, is a blend of synthetic estrogen and progesterone, but they right. will not give bioidentical progesterone right. to anybody really, I mean, if at all, but pretty much you have to be over the age of 40 before they even pay attention to you maybe needing hormones. And then you're going to get progestin right. because that's what big pharma mark is marketed at the doctors. Right. I have a good friend who's a gynecologist who didn't even know that you could get bioidentical progesterone at the pharmacy. Like didn't even a fantastic gynecologist. Yeah. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. In a capsule. Yeah. Take it to bedtime. Makes you feel great. It's for <laughs> all your anxiety. It also shortens and lightens periods. Right. So right. all those girls that come in that are, if you have heavy, heavy, heavy periods, you're estrogen dominant. Yep. It's probably the best diagnostic criteria we can use aside from drawing the labs. I progesterone like will shorten and lighten their period. So why am I going to give them birth control pills, which are going to send them into a state of menopause mm -hmm. when I can give them bioidentical progesterone? And not only are they going to physiologically feel better, they're psychologically going to feel better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, all the anxiety that we're seeing even in our teen, mm -hmm. teenage population, 20-year-old population, that could help tremendously. And I think birth control is being used so much it's actually, I mean, in addition to the general added stress that we have in the world right now and that we had for the last couple of years, contributing to, you know, early young adults, early kind of depression coming on where we normally wouldn't see it. Yeah. I think that those synthetic hormones are also, like you said, they're tanking people, they're tanking women into a state of menopause. And of course, that's affecting your mood. Of course, you're yeah. and your weight. And your weight. Right. Right. And your and your energy levels and 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 yeah. I mean, I could go on for a hundred years on what that does. It's negative. Just read all the studies about what happens in menopause. All those horror stories. That's what happens with birth control. Same yep. thing. Same and thing. it's synthetic hormones, which is now going to increase your risk of developing certain types of cancer. So right. I'm not sure why bioidentical progesterone isn't used. It's I know. So easy. I you know. Just take it to bedtime. Yeah, I use it in pretty much all of my female patients. Just oh, about yeah. all of them are on bioidentical progesterone. Yeah. And I have no shame in saying that. And they all feel better for it. Well, that's the first one to go. Progesterone and testosterone yeah. are the first to tank. And then estrogen can be either high or low. So yeah. you had mentioned estrogen dominance with heavy periods, but estrogen dominance is not just in the young population. Mm -mm. So I'm going to let hand estrogen over to you now. That's perfect transition. Yeah. Yeah. You can, so lots of people are estrogen dominant. Most people are estrogen dominant. We are, have so many exposures to estrogens just in our environment alone that it's really hard not to be estrogen dominant. Pair in with that, that we're drinking milk from estrogenized cows that are fed more estrogen to make more milk and we're eating their meat. You know, we're doing absolutely nothing to detoxify any of this stuff. Most women come in to me estrogen dominant. That's what I see the most of. I'd say 85% are estrogen dominant. 
So you can be estrogen dominant at any point in your life. It can be when you first start your period. It can be five years in. It can be when you're 31. It could be in the perimenopausal period. And I'll tell you, we see a lot of estrogen dominance in the perimenopausal period because the ovaries are going to surge estrogen and then they're going to do nothing. And then they'll surge it and they'll do nothing. And you kind of drive yourself crazy, right? Because one time you look at labs and their total estrogen is like 800. And then the next time you look and it's 200. How did that happen? And then they're back to 700. And patients get so frustrated with that, right? I would, I'm frustrated with it too, right? I can relate, right? But add into that the fact that their progesterone has tanked by the time they hit the perimenopausal period, they're estrogen dominant. You can even be postmenopausal and estrogen dominant. Interesting. Okay, why would that happen? Well, because if you have been recycling your estrogens, if your liver is gunked up and it is not getting rid of, if your body is not excreting the metabolized estrogens, your serum estrogen level can remain elevated for years into menopause. And that's the estrogen that's going to cause harm. That's the bad estrogen, right? So a lot of Patients will come in and they're, you know, they have their estradiol checked somewhere, but nobody's looking at the total estrogen. Yeah. So you can continue to suffer from estrogen dominant type symptoms after menopause because that total estrogen, it's going to hang out until you do something to get rid of that metabolized estrogen. And as women, we are notoriously bad at getting rid of it because our bowel patterns are slow, mm-hmm. slower than men, right? We aren't really doing a whole lot to detoxify and we're exposing ourselves to way more estrogens than men will over the course of the day just because of cosmetics yeah cleaning products you name it right Mm -hmm. the synthetic birth control you're on all your life there's that yeah so so we work with women a lot to get rid of that recycled estrogen you know we want to restore normal bowel patterns we want to give them binders to get rid of that total estrogen And there's ways to do it. And you're going to prevent a lot of downstream issues if you do it. But I don't see a lot of that happening in, you know, the Western medicine world. It's not really even considered or looked at, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Well, I know you went through kind of a, not a scare, well, yeah, a little bit of a scare with really high estrogen levels and you weren't, you were not responding to treatment, right? Like you tried all the things first. I did all the things, right? I can prescribe, so I can kind of be dangerous to myself, I guess you could say. So biohacking, that's all. Just biohacking. biohacking. So I knew that I was estrogen dominant. I could tell just by, you know, the way that I felt. My periods were heavy. They were horrible. I would cramp. It was terrible. I eventually had an endometrial ablation. So I didn't bleed anymore. Wonderful surgery. Highly recommend it if you don't plan on having any more babies. So that took care of the bleeding issue. But I was still having every symptom of estrogen dominance aside from bleeding to death every month. So mm-hmm. I started running labs on myself because no matter who I went to, they told me that it was in my head. In fact, I was told by a major medical institution not too far away from Erie, Pennsylvania, right. that there was nothing wrong with me and I should see psych and pain management, although I didn't even complain about pain. Oh my God. So I left that establishment. I went to no more visits. I had like four or five scheduled there that day. I wrote them off forever. I would never send a dying dog there. No. And started testing myself. And 
my estradiol numbers were within normal ranges. They're at the upper end of normal, but they were within normal ranges. Mm -hmm. Now that's all the gynecology would have ever tested on me. Right. That's it. And I worked with my gynecologist friend who's excellent. So I started running some additional tests on myself. My total estrogen started at 1100. That's 500 and that's 600 points above where it should be. And it got as high as 1800. That's so crazy. when it hit 1800 and I was taking not one, but two estrogen blockers, one that stops estrogen production, one that inhibits estrogen from having its effects on the cells and dim twice a day. Mm-hmm. And my total estrogen continued to climb. I knew there was an issue, right? Yeah. So I handed my labs over. I said, I think I'm pretty sure I have ovarian cancer. And she said, I'm pretty sure you do too. I'm going to put you on my schedule. And in two days, we're going to take out your ovaries. At which point, of course, I read all of the horrible stories about menopause and how terrible it is. Because I knew I was going through surgical menopause. Right. And she refused to, le- to leave a good ovary. And if she saw it, because she said, if you would have cancer a year from now, I'd never forgive myself. So my ovaries came out. I was terrified. I thought it was going to be the end of the world. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, ladies, the best surgery I ever had. Beats any plastic surgery procedure, beats endometrial <laughs> ablation, best surgery I ever had because I wasn't drowning in estrogen. Mm-hmm. Now I knew that I had to take binders to get that estrogen level down. Yeah. But I, funny story, walked out of the hospital that day, very easy surgery, walked out of the hospital that day. And I said, are you going to, you know, write any hormones for me? And she's like, well, I'll see you back in a month. I'm like a month. She's like, yeah, not everybody needs hormones. Ah. What? <laughs> what? You took my hormone producing, you know, organ out of me and you're right. telling me I might not need hormones. Right. So I'm going to have my bones break and all kinds of health issues. Yeah. Said, well, you do that for a living. So just go ahead and do it. So that's what I did. I maintain a hundred. I'm five, nine. I maintain a weight of about 140 without trying at all. Yep. With optimized hormones. I eat whatever I want. I'm going to be very honest. And I don't exercise like I should. I definitely should exercise a whole lot more. I just don't. My sex life is better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Truthfully, that is not like blowing smoke and mirrors. Right. And and not like a little bit better than it's ever been. Like leaps and bounds better. I had no idea it could be this good. Right. I don't have any of those chronic illnesses starting. Right. I'm not type 2 diabetic. I don't have high cholesterol. I'm not anemic, although I was before Mm -hmm. I increase my testosterone a little bit. Yep. You know, my bone density actually went from osteopenic to normal. Okay. Normal, right? My mammograms are all completely normal. It is nothing but beneficial to me. I I have to say even like my thought process and clarity is incredibly improved on hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody that's facing a surgical menopause, don't worry. And if you're somebody that's just approaching menopause, don't worry. Because guys, in the absence of those ovaries, or once they sort of die off and don't do anything anymore, we can biohack you, tweak you to where you feel the best. It may not be where you were at 20. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Sometimes we can do a little bit better than that. Sometimes we can do better than nature. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's true. Don't let menopause scare you. I think that that's probably my biggest take-home message of our discussion today because it's not scary. 
It's actually wonderful. As long as you're working with somebody that's going to help you put those hormones back in you. Yep. A little sidebar, since I was so estrogen dominant, I had a little PTSD, I call it, regarding the estrogen thing. So I put the progesterone and I put the testosterone back in myself and I was like, "Eh, I'm going to hold off on the estrogen. I don't think I need it. Right. We had this discussion. Yeah. And that was all well and good until I started having ridiculous hot flashes. My thyroid medication stopped working and I was waking up at exactly 3.02 every single night and was awake for the rest of the night. Oh God, that sucks. Yeah. 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 So adding a little estradiol back into the mix, all that stuff's gone. Where's your level now? So typically my total estradiol is around like hmm, between 115 and 150. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very responsible about my total estrogen. You know, I take DIM every night. Mm-hmm. I take calcium deglucurate. I take Synthergen. I take about five different binders. Yeah. Um, glutathione. I'm trying to think what else I have. Magnesium. There's lots of things in the mix. You can't do hormone replacement therapy and be irresponsible about detoxification. And I won't work with anybody that is. I'm very upfront about that. You know, right out of the gate. Nobody starts hormone replacement therapy at my office without starting something to sort of love their liver. Yep. You know, and that varies from person to person, but I'm never going to accumulate a total estrogen of 1800 ever again. And, you know, the normal value for estradiol, what is it? Well, it's incredibly variable. And I would say that the biggest factor that determines where someone needs to be is where they were for the majority of their life. You know, were they estrogen dominant? Were they progesterone dominant? Were they testosterone dominant? Mm -hmm. And you can tell by looking at somebody. Yeah. Honestly, you know, are they going to need their levels a little higher or a little lower? I don't think I was estrogen dominant most of my life. I would speculate it was progesterone dominant. So I keep mine, you know, in the lower half Mm -hmm. of normal. And that's a good place for me. Well, what's interesting that you're saying though, is that, so you had your ovaries out. Now you're replacing the estradiol back in, but you're still taking DIM because most people will be like, well, wait a minute. You don't want to take DIM and lower your estrogen, but that's not the point of it. The point is really like DIM and calcium deglucurate is to keep that estrogen from, keep keep it metabolized, keep it from recirculating. So DIM is not going to bind to estradiol. It binds to serum estrogen that's already metabolized and should be making its way out via your stool. Mm-hmm. So it kind of locks it in to the stool so that it can't be reabsorbed back up through the, the lining of the guts yep. and into your bloodstream. Because let's be honest, if you have an estrogen issue, you have a GI. There's something going on in your GI tract. I guarantee it. Is it yeah. candida? Is it dysbiosis? you know, what is it? It, There's going to be something. So the likelihood of you reabsorbing that estrogen through your gut wall is pretty high. Yeah. 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 So you got to be pooping every day. I know you love the GI map and you find, you probably find a ton of connections, those aha moments where you're like, ah, there you go. That's why your, your estrogen's high. Well, when GI at that very prestigious health facility I went to told me to see pain management and uh, psych. I did a GI map on myself and I had such a high amount of two forms of candida that the physician who reads the results of the GI maps personally called me to alarm me. Oh, Um, It was so bad that I wasn't absorbing nutrients like potassium, which you have to have for your heart to be. Mm -hmm. But I was making it up. See, psych. 
Exactly. You're just crazy. I just love doctor appointments. Right. I have nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. You know, also, I still have a little bit of that PTSD about the estradiol kind of. I'm not going to lie. I still kind of do. Yeah. I also take a very low dose tamoxifen once a day mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. I have a very strong family history of breast cancer. I know how I respond when I have too much estrogen. And sometimes, you know, as accurate as you are with injections, which is what I, I use to replace them. Right. You know, you can go up or down a little bit, you, yeah. you know, depending on your day. So yeah. I find that for myself, I feel a whole lot better that way. There are some studies out that show that women who have had a history of breast cancer can very safely do estrogen replacement therapy along with tamoxifen because it will block the receptor sites in the breast tissue, but it won't block the receptor sites in the bone. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. So I still get a lot of the benefits without any of the drawbacks. And I, I don't do that for a lot of people. I think that's sort of a, you know, a little oddball thing about me. I don't know. But I agree though. If you were estrogen dominant, like if you had PCOS, like I had PCOS. So I don't have the PTSD or the fear of estrogen with the cancer thing. That's no, but I do have that fear of like, Oh God, estrogen dominance was so bad. And I got so bloated and so poofy and so fat. And I just don't want to go back there. So I've been baby stepping the, like I've done Mm -hmm. half a dose of what Mm -hmm. we started me on. I I think I'm ready to go up. Like I'm like, okay, I'm okay. I've been doing this for like two, three weeks now. Now I can go up, but there is, there is that PTSD with it. Yeah. I mean, I started on a cream that was so weak that I could have eaten the entire tube of it and my estrogen level wouldn't have even gone. Yeah. But you know, I think when you've been there, you hate to go back there. So also if you're one of those people, don't be afraid of adding estradiol back in once it's gone. Cause the estrogen dominance is about the total estrogen. It's not about the es- the estradiol. And we can correct for the total estrogen. And we should be correcting. And everybody that's on hormone replacement therapy should assume that they're going to become estrogen dominant if they're not taking a binder. Because yeah. you will. And I sincerely doubt anyone will be looking at your serum estrogen level. I don't know of anyone else that tests that, but it's so important. Right. Yeah. And now tie this back to the thyroid, because you had mentioned earlier about if you're not metabolizing your hormones, if you're not metabolizing estrogen, if you're not pooping every day, how is that going to back up to the thyroid and affect it? So with thyroid hormone, you have to have just the right amount of estradiol for it to work properly and, and exert its force in the cells of your body, we'll call it, right? So estrogen is kind of like a catalyst or, or I'm using estrogen and I should be using estradiol. Estradiol is sort of like a catalyst. It allows thyroid hormone to work properly in your body. So if your estradiol is too low, you will not get the benefits of thyroid medication that the next person will. Now, will your labs reflect the benefits? Very likely, but you may still be exhausted, not losing weight, still losing your hair, all the things, right? If your serum estrogen is too high, so that's that metabolized estrogen, it's going to block the thyroid medicine or the thyroid hormone, if you're not on the medicine, from working properly in the cells of your body, which is why estrogen dominant people tend to become obese. Yeah. So too much or too little of a very similar thing is not good. You got to be somewhere right in the middle and sort of balance things out. And 
what your thyroid labs are reflecting are what's floating around in your bloodstream, not what's working in your cell. And you have to sort of appreciate that in the absence of any estradiol whatsoever, it's never going to work in the cells of your body. So incredibly important. Plus, we know that those that are hypothyroid, right? That's what we see the most of, mm -hmm. typically come in and complain of constipation. Do you hear yeah. that? Like from like oh, everyone? Yeah. Right. Everyone. Not, not only are you hypothyroid, you're a female that has estrogen, right? So mm -hmm. you're already having slow bowel patterns, which is going to make you recycle those estrogens more, mm -hmm. which in turn is going to slow your bowel patterns even more, which means you're going to be absorbing even more. So ladies, you got to poop every single day uh -huh. and not just a little, you got to empty. Right. So that means that your stool is somewhat liquidy in an effort to have a bowel movement every day. Guess what? That is a thousand times better than building up toxic sludge in your guts for years. Yeah. yeah. That's a really no hard point to drive across. Like everyone wants to not be constipated, but then they sort of lose their mind when they have, you know, kind of diarrhea. That's true. The main, well, the mainstream functional people who specialize in the gut, they always tell you like your poop should float and your poop should be this shape. And so people yes. get so focused. Like, I just want you pooping every day. Yeah. I really don't even care what it looks like. Just as long as it's not little rabbit ones, like you said, just empty, empty. Yes. Yeah. I joke and tell patients I talk about boners and pooping all day long because everyone's so embarrassed to talk about those two topics, right? But bowel patterns are sort of, well, gut health overall is sort of the hallmark of are you healthy or are you not that that tells everything about you and pooping is part of that so I address it with every single person that comes through my door you know I really harp on it with the women mm -hmm. it's normal because it happens to a lot of people to have a bowel pattern every four or five days yeah is it healthy no no right not healthy gotta go Gotta not go. comfortable and, either. Jeez, like no. you're probably carrying around that extra five to 10 pounds just because you're not pooping. It's amazing from visit one to visit two, how many people lose like a tremendous amount of weight because it's like 15 pounds of poop. Yeah. Like I've been that person. I've, I've gone to my primary care and been like, I can't go. My stomach hurts. I feel so sick. What is happening? As my estrogen levels were going up and up and up. And, and I love my primary care doctor. I do. I think the world of them. And, you know, he said, I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. So, Take some magnesium citrate, call it a day, right? Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> didn't work. Nope. No, sorry. I've done that a hundred times. Still didn't work. So we'll kind of do whatever we have to do to get people pooping every day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's as easy as magnesium. Right. Often it's Good not. Point. Yeah. Oh my so, God. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. So thank you so much for just your knowledge and breaking down all the hormones and just the important, I, I love the message of just, you don't have to be scared of menopause. You don't have to be too many women no, are. Your hormones are, they need to be working in a perfect symphony and your symphony may not be the same as your friend's symphony, right? But it's what works for you. So you need to have a provider that's going to sort of tailor levels to what works well for you. And not be afraid of being outside of the normal values because you're probably going to be outside of those normal values if you're feeling good. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Catherine, yeah. tell people where they can find you. You're based in Erie, PA. I know you have a private mm -hmm. Facebook group too. So how can people you know, connect with you and find you and all that good stuff? 
Yep. So we have a Facebook group. There's a sort of subgroup within it called Harmonious where you can learn all kinds of things. I sort of, there's tends to be themes of the week. So I sort of end up talking about things as I encounter them over and over and over to try to yeah. get the message out. Right. So you'll find all of that there. We um, approve anyone that wants to be a part of it. So if you want to jump on and learn, please do. I think that the message often mimics what you're saying, but hey, it's good to hear it from two sources. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you can go to our website. It's harmoniustherapy.com. If you would like to schedule an appointment or an evaluation, see what we can do for you, we're here. And so, this is male and female too, by the way. Like she does, she's a rock female. star with the guys, rock star. Male and female and all ages. I even see pediatrics. So yeah. if yeah. you want to hit things early and prevent a lot of downfall later on in life, we see tons of teenagers. Oh yeah, no, tons you just saved my my friend's 21-year-old son. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that to give a 21-year-old who's trying to function, be social, date, go to school, use his brain, all of that. Like you totally just saved them. Yeah. Kids are up against enough shit, I yeah. think. So don't make their hormones part of it. Yeah. And it's of no fault of their own either. You know, oh, by the way, he was blown off by, well, really for the last probably five years that I've been talking to her by doctors blown off. No problems. Yeah. So nothing. sad. Yeah. So sad. And minimal intervention. For like huge results. Yeah. So sometimes it's as much what we can teach you and your family, right? Yeah. As what I can prescribe to you. So don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're so far gone that you think that there's, you know, you're at the point of no return. Nobody has ever come through the doors that I've turned away and said, nope, you, you're past the point of no return. Right. That, that's no. not a thing. You might take two hours versus an hour, but we're going to fix you. And we're going to fix all of you and get it right. Yep. So I will take it personally if you don't. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.